This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's going on, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome to another episode of the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast. Got a really interesting topic this week. We are talking about helium and you know, there's probably a lot of people that are listening that are familiar with helium. Everybody's first thought is industry, like but... sucking sucking the helium out of balloons, <laughs> yeah. making your voice really high. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there's actually a ton of scientific and engineering applications for helium and the oil and gas and natural resources industry plays a big role in this. So today we have Robert Price, the CEO of Total, Total Helium in the studio today down here from Denver. Yeah. I thought I asked, I asked Robert, I said, did you come in town for OTC? He's like, no, I just came in town for this podcast. Y'all are that special. So appreciate you coming down here, man. Well, let, let me say it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, as I shared with you, uh, a lot of our team members are big fans of you being in the oil and gas business for you know many decades um, and the younger generation that's coming in, uh, they love you. And when they, when they said, you got to go on this podcast, you've got to. <laughs> So it, it's an honor to be here. And That's awesome. Really happy to be here. No, appreciate yeah. you taking the time to come tell your story and, and talk about what you guys are working on. So first, let's talk about Total Helium, just at a high level overview. Um, what is it? You know, I, I'd say it's a, a helium EMP. You take it from there. Yeah. Um, thanks, Colin. So I um, funded um, Total Helium uh, about three years ago. We acquired oil and gas leases in Kansas. Um, and because of my limited funding of acquiring over 50, 60, 70,000 acres in Kansas, and our concept was to drill wells, a dewatering process where we bring the pressure down and the gas expands. Um, the Hugoton Basin has been the epicenter of helium production for the last hundred years. Uh, much of the world's supply of helium has come from the Hugoton. Mm -hmm. So we went where the helium was. And as we did this process, we discovered helium, uh, but the quantity of helium was about a six tenths of a percent. Yeah. So in order for you to um, produce a lot, you need a lot of quantity to have the, um, that, that's 0.6% really profitable. Mm -hmm. The, you know, I wrote this, I wrote this Twitter thread a while back talking about helium because we've been in a helium shortage for you know, I don't even know how many years, but the, the issue and excuse me, if I'm, if I'm off base here, if I'm wrong, I'm not a expert when it comes to helium production, but from my understanding is that helium production for the most part has kind of been a byproduct of natural gas production. You know, Pioneer Natural Resources used to be a pretty big producer of helium and some of their assets. And you know, Jake mentioned when people think of helium, they think of going to the store and everyone knows you go to the store and you can't get balloons fill, filled recently yep. just because yep. of helium shortages. But there's so many applications within uh, scientific laboratories, within engineering and computer hardware and yep. things of, of this nature. Um, you know, how many companies are out there that focus on, hey, we're a, we're a helium production company? I mean, yeah. is there... Hundreds of them? Is it you and a few others? Um, what, what's what's it, the market? It is like? emerging, and um, the the people that are exploring for it 
obviously they have oil and gas experience. Mm -hmm. So they have all these skills to be able to get the leases, drill the wells and produce it. Uh, back to mention about Pioneer and other ones that were in the helium business. It is a bright byproduct, generally speaking, mm -hmm. uh, less than 1%. So um, in the Hugoton Basin, the, um, the United States government, Bureau of Land Management, they acknowledge that helium was a strategic asset, you know, back in World War One, where you could send up balloons, yeah. and possibly bomb your adversaries. Yeah. And so they started the helium uh, reserve uh, where they stored helium. Um, since then, Congress said, hey, get out of the helium business, shut it down. So it's being shut down. So that is a void in the overall helium markets domestically. Where's the other supplies coming from? They're coming from either Russia or Qatar. And those two supplies are geopolitically not that positive for us here in the United States. Yeah. So, um, along with the rest of the energy supply chain, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So, um, so there is a real need to have a guaranteed on-demand supply of helium. So um, I partnered with Lindy. Lindy is a $170 billion market cap company. They actually funded our lease acquisition and our drilling of our wells in Kansas. Um, and so Lindy also, we worked with them to try to find other projects. And what I'm really excited about today, Colin and Jake, is just on Monday, we closed on a major acquisition for our company, our small company, buying an asset in Arizona. So where you have in, in Kansas and Qatar and Russia, you know, sometimes a tenth of 1% is the byproduct. Mm -hmm. um, some people refer to this part of Arizona, the Saudi Arabia of helium. Really? And why, go ahead. That's, that's interesting. So there's this mass reserve of helium in Arizona, people it, think? Well, it's, it's, the answer is yes, and it's already been proven, and there's been a lot of production coming out of Arizona. Uh, there are certain geological conditions that the helium concentrations are anywhere from 5 to 8%. And so we just acquired a field. Uh, we have producing assets um, on two wells. We have another uh, five wells that have been drilled. Again, Lindy is our partner, and Lindy helped fund the pipeline expansion. And so we're building the pipeline right now to hook up these five wells. We have another six wells that we'll be completing within the next month. And so we will have um, upward to 14 wells, and we have a very aggressive drilling program. Um, it's more developmental drilling. Um, I wouldn't call it the Permian type yeah. of developmental drilling, uh, but we have blanket sands. We have other sand channels that meander which the wells could be a lot better than the base sands. Yeah. Um, and so it is so exciting. So there's a, there's, I want to dive into the operations of helium uh, drilling and production here in a bit. Yeah. Um, there's like five questions right off the top of my head, especially about Arizona. But before we do that, let's dive into your background real quick so that we can give some people some context because you know, they could be listening and be like, oh, this, this guy's crazy and full of shit and, you know, doesn't know anything about drilling wells. But I mean, you have a long uh, tenured history in oil and gas. So tell us yeah. your story from the, um, the, the point of inception. How'd you Yeah, get I'll, I'll try to, um, as my uh, eight-year-old son says, in, when I put him to bed at night, I said, tell me about your, your day. And he said, I woke up 
So you, I'm not going to be that granular, Colin. <laughs> but to, um, but anyway, I uh, grew up in Denver, Colorado. I uh, went to undergrad at uh, University of Colorado and went, ended up in law school at University of Tulsa. And I specialized in energy law. My first job out of law school, I worked at a bank. Um, Tulsa was, we used to call ourselves the oil capital of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of major oil and gas companies that uh, had assets and companies in Tulsa. And so I managed our trust customers' oil and gas assets. And that was really where I learned much about the oil and gas business. We had minerals, royalties, working interests. After I did that, I started a mom and pop exploration company. Uh, we called it Poor Man's Oil. Uh, we were drilling two, <laughs> two, 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 we were drilling uh, 2,000 foot wells. Yeah. And we were finding 100,000 barrels here, 100,000 barrels there. Nice. And we were able to, um, you know, eke out a living to the next deals. Yeah. Um, we, um, um, we, we then, um, had a very ambitious project in the Williston basin. Uh, we had 125,000 acres. We were doing trilaterals funded by Halliburton. Halliburton was our joint venture partner. This was in the mid nineties. Um, and we had all the leases, uh, but the, with the deduct, the price went down to about $12 a barrel. We didn't know what to do with the leases. Uh, there was a play in the red river called the um, Continental Resources and um, uh, in Burlington, uh, Conoco's predecessor, they were drilling these trilaterals before hydraulic fracking. And yeah. so we drilled three um, technical success wells, economic failures, um, and our leases expired. And guess where our leases were? They were at the core of the Bakken. We still had a little residual interest. So let me say what I've learned in life is you you make sure you have longer term leases, and so we went to Kansas. I got longer term leases, five year leases, right to renew for five and another five years. So you learn along the way, um, and so. Uh, but I've been in manufacturing too. Um, I had SNR compressing, um, still around today. Uh, we we made um, well site uh, compressors. Um, I sold that business to buy a manufacturing company. And I supplied all of Ford Motor Company's North American automotive glass with our plant in Tulsa, Nashville, Maquiladora in Juarez. Um, and uh, we had a really robust aftermarket company too. But my heart has always been in oil and gas. And even though I've been diversified in different businesses, um, I had a publicly traded company called Highlands Natural Resources. Uh, we drilled uh, two-mile laterals with the ConocoPhillips farm out in the DJ Basin. We actually extended the field further south than any other companies. Uh, we are funded by private equity, Sigler Guff. We are funded by, again, my old partner, Halliburton, that funded our two-mile laterals. Um, and then we ended up selling it to a, a family in um, Wyoming called the True Family. Okay. So we developed it. True Oil Family? Yeah, True Oil. They're, they're, I can't... can't say better things about, about the family and the company. And so, um, but I learned along the way and helium, I was so fascinated with, um, and our transaction, uh, in Arizona, we are paid $500 in MCF. And if you have less than 1%, uh, depending on what your quantity is, it doesn't necessarily add up. But when you have uh, five to eight percent at five hundred dollars in MCF, it is very significant, and the numbers on our field in Arizona are truly 
extraordinary. We're going to be able to drill up to 150 wells. And again, a blanket sand, well after well after well, as we develop this field. As I mentioned before, Lindy funded our pipeline expansion. We have the agreement with Lindy to sell for $500 in MCF on the first 10 wells. And the market for helium right now, and there's, as you guys being in the oil and gas industry, you know the ebbs and flows of the prices up and down. Uh, we chose to not lock our price in for the long term because we're seeing current pricing at helium between $500 and $1,000 in MCF. Yeah. So our commitment is just on the on the first 10 wells. Yeah. So these wells in Arizona, first let's talk about what the wells look like. Are these shallow 2,000, 3,000 foot wells? Are they deep wells? Um, you know, talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so the formation we're in, it's called the Shinnerup. It's between 700 and 1,200 feet deep. Okay. Um, we have partnered with a gentleman named Brad Butler, um, actually from Dallas. He has found uh, helium in Colorado and Arizona. He is truly a, a helium finder. Um, Lindy put us together. Uh, we are public. Uh, Brad generally does not have partners in his, in his companies. Mm -hmm. And so we purchased a, a 50% interest in it. Brad's background is he's a driller. He has a drilling rig. So let me, let me just back up about the Holbrook Basin, first of all, okay? You have all these rocks, and they weren't deep enough to be cooked. So it's not an oil and gas basin. It's a helium-nitrogen-CO2 basin. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And so if you try to get services and you try to get Hall Halliburton in from you know, another basin to come in and, and cement your, your, your wells, very expensive. So what did Brad do? He has his own drilling rig, first of all. Second of all, he went to an auction in Texas and bought a cementing truck. So he has his own trenching equipment. So when Lindy funded our pipeline expansion, we're trenching it ourselves. And Brad is out there right now doing it, hooking our new wells online. That's pretty so cool. Very, very, um, very, very simple drilling. And and just to share what we what we do, we we drill down and and Brad is again, we're we're these wells take about two or three days. Um, they, depending on where, where they are, whether they're in the blanket sand or whether in the sand channel, the IPs can be anywhere from 150 MCF a day up to a thousand MCF a day. Okay. Um, and you just do the math really quick. Take, you know, 8% of 150 MCF a day times it by $500 in MCF. These wells pay out, um, they cost $220,000 to drill. They pay out in about three months, uh, yeah. that's on the that that's on the blanket sand, the um, the sand channel, which we sh we're going to hit several of those, will pay out within about a month. So the uh, I love talking about the operations side of it because I mean even if you go work in some oil and gas fields, I mean it's hard to get crews and service rigs and things of that nature. So. I love that you talked about in Arizona, it's like, there's no infrastructure at all. You know, the closest thing would be coming from, you know, Colorado or Bakersfield or East New Mexico. And, you know, none of those places are necessarily close yeah. or economic to get equipment down there. And so that presents a challenge. Yes. Um, just from the operations and service side, then, you know, pipeline infrastructure and yes. things of that nature. Um, on the On the pipelines, you were talking about pricing. Um, you know, the natural gas market is pretty 
fluid and accurately priced in by basin. I imagine helium isn't as much. I bet that there's a lot more, you know, dislocation in the market and like with these pipelines, where where are you actually sending it to? Where are you tying yeah. in? And yeah, said Lindy's buying it, right? Yeah, they so they, the, they, they they are. And, and when I um, you know first got in the helium business several years ago, um, I had to look up a word. It was called opaque. I said, "What does <laughs> opaque mean?" It means just very untransparent. You don't really know what the market is. There's no real index for what the helium is. Yeah, and what they uh, they call them. Uh, these industrial gas companies, there's Lindy, Air Products, Air Liquide, a couple other two minor ones, uh, they control it. So they um, actually do long-term contracts with many of the producers mm. and they do not advertise what the price is. And because it's such a limited commodity, you really don't know what the price is. Yeah. And so it is a, um, a direct negotiation with the industrial gas company. Got you. Um, Back to your question before, Colin, about the different uses of of helium. Yeah, um, and, and of course we have a um, a helium tank in our office with helium balloons. And when any of <laughs> anyone of our neighbors have kids uh, parties or they can't get it at uh, Party City or something else, uh, we got the helium for it. So that's very cool. We, 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 <laughs> We embrace the balloon. It's a funny, uh, just kind of like quirky thing to give back to the community. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, hey, <laughs> for the helium plug, you come out with a trench coat. It's like, how much helium do you need? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> I love it. So, um, but the, um, the the uses, you know, MRI machines need helium, mm -hmm. cooling properties, um, the space program. Helium is very important from the purging element of it. Um, and then semiconductor manufacturing. Yeah. If you can imagine with the, um, the CHIPS Act, which just passed $50 billion going into bringing chip manufacturing here in the United States. Um, so the U.S., and I, I look at it um, with my background in oil and gas. I mean, what did we say back then? I'm, I'm a kid of the 70s, okay? Um, I remember getting in line to get gas when there was an oil embargo in the, in the Middle East. Yeah. And we had to do every other day. And so it was about becoming independent from foreign supplies of oil and gas. Mm -hmm. And we have achieved it as a nation, which is incredible feat based on, um, you know, the, the working men and women of the oil and gas industry and the entrepreneurs out there. Um, and what you guys are doing, you're getting the word out and it really helps us become more independent. Helium is the same way. Um, we have semiconductor manufacturers that want to build their plants here. Can you imagine them going to either Lindy or products or someone else and say, Hey, we want to sign a long-term contract with you. And, um, and you respond, well, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll sign the long-term contract. We're going to get it from Russia. They're going to go, I don't think so. So there yeah. is a real need. You're spending these billions of dollars. You have to have that helium, that domestic supply of helium on demand, ready to go. And so one of the initiatives we're working on with Lindy is a 50-50 partnership for a helium storage. So we can have that on-demand helium. Um, so how do, you, how do you store helium? Because I know with like LNG, it's, it's got to be like those little circular bulbs and obviously oil can just be in massive tanks. So yeah. How do you, how do you yeah. store helium? It, that's such a good question, Jake, because helium, I mean, hydrogen is the number one element and then helium. It is such a 
sneaky molecule. I mean, it wants to get the heck out of here. It wouldn't be a product, a, a byproduct, Colin, if it weren't such so so small and it didn't kind of want to run to the atmosphere. Yeah. It's so hard to trap helium. And so um the um um g- tell me your question one more time, Jake. How do you store helium? How do you store it? Okay. Um, so it'll 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 literally, if you have it in a tank of steel, mm-hmm. it's gonna get out eventually. It is that's how sneaky this element is is it just super tiny molecules of yes. able just to escape through anything yes. it just wants to get the heck out yeah. and so on geological time to be able to trap it it is very difficult i want to just share one little from a geological standpoint yeah there are some people that use uh soil samples in exploration personally i haven't been a big fan of them but there has been some natural gas fields that have been discovered on soil sampling so if it works with with oil and gas can you only imagine what it will do for helium? And so we have a soil sample survey, even though we have this blanket sand, to be able to get one of those wells, one of those wells that will pay, I mean, literally um, within months, we'll make a million dollar in revenue mm-hmm. in the sand channel. So what we're doing, we're, bu- we're drilling all these blanket wells, but we're doing the soil sample to get in the channels to actually increase our odds and really increase the revenue. Um, but so back to your question, Jake, about storage. Uh, so it was a traditional storage system that the BLM had. It was very inefficient, mm-hmm. uh, didn't operate well, and it likes to sneak out. So what we're doing in Kansas is we're doing a desalination project um, with um, with salts to put fresh water in. And it's very, um, um, the high integrity w- within this. And it's in the infrastructure where a lot of the helium plants are. So, Colin, I think this was one of your questions about the pipeline and the processing. Just real quick, if yeah. you if you if you have um, a helium with a lot of methane and other liquids evolved in it, it's a very expensive um, processing plant. However, where we are, it's it's five to eight percent helium. And the rest is nitrogen. So it's a real simple process where you have a pressure swing absorption unit that just takes the nitrogen out. What do you do with the nitrogen? You vent in the atmosphere. Mm. Um, And so, but we process it to 99.9% helium in a gaseous state. Some of these applications wants it in a liquid state. So at that point, then it's shipped to uh, a plant. Lindy has a plant in uh, Kansas, and then it's liquefied and then distributed thereafter. I was just looking at, um, I want to link you up with someone, Brent at Firefly. Um, they've developed this underground storage technology called Gas Loop. I was just looking at their website real yeah. quick because I know off the top of my head, it's for um, nat gas and hydrogen. Oh, that'd and, be awesome. Um, anyways, regardless, you guys yeah. would have a great conversation, yeah. but he came up to mind when we were talking about this uh, yeah. because I think the storage component is uh, super interesting. and. We talk, you know, you're talking about energy independence and independent, really, it's not just an uh, energy independence thing. It's a independence and diversification of supply chains across energy, across technology. You know, I was at a small little conference last week with Oracle and NVIDIA, and you look at what's happening with machine learning and artificial intelligence and the amount of compute that is coming online. It's almost insatiable. And it's very hard to wrap your head around 
um, what is needed to continue um, growing the, um, the the tech industry from a physical hardware perspective. And, you know, you're just talking about what we need for semiconductors and things of this nature. And um, I think that there is this massive movement towards onshoring of manufacturing. It's coming back to North America, um, specifically places like Texas and Mexico. And I think that you're going to see a lot of manufacturing start co-locating with energy assets, but I didn't think about it from a helium perspective of, yeah, hey, we'll build semiconductors in the US, but we want to know that we have a guaranteed supply of- Wait a second. Didn't yeah. Panasonic build like a, a multi-billion dollar facility in Kansas? For semiconductors, um, yeah, it's actually a, a battery plant. It's a battery, a battery yeah, plant. okay, yeah. Ba battery yeah. plant there, but but it's it's one of the biggest economic booms to that Kansas has had. Well, and you're seeing yeah. a lot of those things from the IRA bill, where um, you know um, they're coming in and building these mass massive facilities, which I'd love to see. Yeah. Like America just needs to get back to being a country building shit, right? Yeah. And so, um, but I didn't think this is definitely going to open up Pandora's box of how I'm thinking because I didn't think about helium supply, um, but. The uh, I love how you said you had to look up the term opaque, um, because that's what I was getting at. I was like, you know, it just doesn't seem to be like a clear market, um, for hey, what is the price of helium? But it makes perfect sense that these uh, large corporations they have the contracts and they partner up with producers to buy it. Yeah, I think that you know, you probably see the same thing in the LNG space where it's like, hey, we'll go partner up or we'll own the upstream asset, and yeah. you know, you're getting you know whatever the price may be, your your break even of dollar MCF or whatever. And then there's a big ARB there for yeah. um, your your product. But that um I think that all of that is super interesting and probably has, you know, it's gonna evolve a lot over the next ten to fifteen years as more companies look to manufacture in the United States. Yeah, that those are all that spot on, Colin. Um, you know, about um, you know, the supply chain and how we're trying to participate in the supply chain. And the pricing, um, and and again, that's that's the question. There's, um, you know, there's not the the hedging of helium necessarily. There's not the instruments out there for hedging helium, um, and so what we're doing is we're balancing uh, with the five hundred dollars in MCF for X amount of wells. We're keeping our options open, so it's it's kind of an indirect hedge to lock some of it in mm -hmm. at five hundred, and then do the spot market. Um, Lindy's been a really good partner of ours. Yeah. And, and we hope to sell this additional helium to, to them yeah. or through them. Uh, but there are other avenues selling to directly to some of the end users. Got you. The, um, the field in Arizona, what part of the state is it located in? It's, it's I've never been to Arizona, so I'm not yeah. familiar with the state, but I'm just driven through once. Yeah. Okay. Well, you guys so. now have an official, uh, <laughs> official invitation to come. Would love to. Um, it, it's it's fascinating. We our um, 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 my business partners and and board members uh, came down to do the due diligence uh, a couple months ago um, on this acquisition, and um, we went went around in Brad Butler's truck, and you know we opened up each one of the wells, went to the um, processing plant, saw the Lindy trailers being shipped off, um, but it's right next to it's. We, we, it, it's a it, in the Four Corners area, on the eastern side of Arizona. On the left, we have twenty-seven thousand acres. Um, we're getting additional acreage as well. On the left side is a petrified forest, um, and uh, just fascinating to see this petrified wood 
yeah, all over the place. On the um, on the right side or the eastern side is the Navajo Reservation, and there has been some traditional helium um, um, production coming out of the Navajo Reservation. Okay, um, and there's there's challenges. You will never drill in the petrified forest. Mm-hmm. There are some challenges on the Navajo, and so we have this nice little twenty seven thousand acre slice where we can develop these wells. Uh, we have uh, permission to drill on 40 acre, mm-hmm. and we've brought in some really good um, consultants. Uh, one consultant we're working with, um, is uh, his name is Nick Steinberger. Uh, he was with George Mitchell, and he was one of the mm-hmm. lead teams that uh, discovered this uh, hydraulic fracking. Cool. And so um, Nick is, just has incredible expertise, uh, Brad Butler has a, a um, you know, from a fracking standpoint and completion standpoint, um, uh, Brad Butler has the operational expertise and we put them together. And so, you know, we don't know if it's going to be on density of 40 acres, could be, uh, but right now all of our economics, um, are done on drilling one every 160 acres, which still gets us over 150 wells. Um, and Anyway, so I got I got a question yep. about from the geologic perspective, um, and you may know this, you may not know it, um, but I'm going to ask it anyways. How does helium originate? You know, you made a comment earlier. It's like, hey, look, this exists in shallow reservoirs, um, not too deep to where it gets cooked. Yeah. But you know, I'm listening to you talk, and you say, hey, it's found in Arizona. It's found in Kansas. And so, yeah. you know, obviously Kansas has oil and gas production. Arizona doesn't. And so I'm like really curious how it, how did helium originate yeah, it's a chem- in, in Arizona? Yeah, it's a chemical process deep in the earth through degradation of thorium and uh, other other minerals that okay. causes the, the, the helium to, to generate. Got you. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah I'm going to have to go look into that more because I'm yeah. curious. So it's like, you know, you have these two relatively random places where it seemed to, um, generate and you know, where else could it, where else yeah. could it be in yeah. the United States and, and throughout North on, America. on top of that, so how do you guys, how do you guys know where there is helium geologically? Is it going out and getting core samples? Is it running seismic? Yeah. The, um, it, 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 that's a great question. And, um, you know, fortunate because of the oil and gas industry, there's been a lot of test wells mm-hmm. that have been drilled in many different basins. And early on, they thought maybe the Holbrook Basin of Arizona, you know, might be a petroleum producing yep. um, field. And all they got was helium and nitrogen and CO2. And so just the same geological co- conditions. The key is trapping, is trapping. Uh, in geological time, that helium uh, molecule, it's just going to space, it's going to escape to the so atmosphere. Is, is there anything different that you guys are actually doing in the well to trap that? From the formation, you also, or, is it, or does it look just like an oil and gas well? Yeah, so um, just pretty much just like an oil and gas well. Uh, what we're what we're doing with these shallow wells, uh, Jake, is we we drill down right above the um, uh, the formation. We set the set the pipe, and then we do an open hole completion. And so um, we um, acidize and frack on the tighter ones. Channel wells, um, the ones that will produce a million dollars within a few months. Uh, that will, we, no completion on those. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just pretty much natural, maybe a little, little bit of acid in it. Come Do you on. know how much pressure those have? Not much. When they come online? Not, 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 not much. They're, you know, um, a hundred, 200, 
200 pounds psi we yeah. put them in a um a compressor and uh and, and it flows so they're not they're not high pressure yeah um what's what's ex- thought i don't know what the pressure is on a typical helium tank but you can just take hits right off the well oh yeah yeah right <laughs> right right um the um so um what another exciting component of our twenty-seven thousand acres we have um three deep-seated structures uh which could be very significant um but what's interesting when you say deep-seated structures in the holbrook basin it's 3800 feet yeah so <laughs> as we're as we're doing these developmental wells and drilling it down we'll just set some casing over it and then we'll go down and, and test these deep-seated uh formations so yeah it's ideal from a um, um a company standpoint to have existing producing assets developmental drilling opportunity that are very low risk but have all this tremendous upside Mm -hmm. Um, and so we have positioned and i've uh, positioned the company uh, under the direction of the board uh, to really um, you know have a low risk revenue generating with incredible upside is the you may not be able to speak to this just given the nature of being a public company but um you know, what's your plan and the board's vision for the company? Do you guys see you as becoming one of the premier um, acreage holders of helium and, you know, selling to, you know, just throw out a pioneer natural resources that's looking to maybe diversify their business in the natural resource? Do you guys, you know, well, how do y'all think about that in just terms of positioning in the market and the future of the company? Um, there, there are a lot of small E and P companies that are, you know, looking for helium. They have acreage blocks, they're shooting seismic, they're drilling exploratory wells. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I look at that, Colin is, is they're, they're kind of on the outside looking in, uh, what we have established here with total helium with our production acquisition non-exploratory project, but a production acquisition with low-risk drilling, we're now on the inside. So we are, from a junior oil and gas standpoint, we are either the only or one of a few that is actually producing helium. Yeah. And so um, it, it puts us in a league of our own. Yeah. Now that we have current production and we have this robust drilling program of low-risk drilling, with the great upside. Why do you think oil and gas companies haven't attacked that resource harder? I mean, they have the skill set, the engineering knowledge, the capital. Um, what's kept any of these bigger um, companies, larger independents from exploring that? Um, so it, it's, it's, it's always a discussion topic. Um, and there will be more advancement to other oil and gas companies mm-hmm. getting into the helium business we are fortunate that we are one of the first movers yeah um in acquiring lands and developing these um you, you go explore for helium where there is helium and um when i when i first heard someone say um the holbrook basin is the um, um saudi arabia of uh, helium i thought that's kind of cheesy statement but then i thought <laughs> it's so true I, um, I, I met, there was a helium conference, um, in Denver, um, a little over a month ago, uh, with scientists literally from all over the world. Um, 
and um, and I, I I I queried one of them, Chris Ballantyne, who's a Oxford geochemist um, who has looked for helium his whole life, and he did his undergrad work in the Hugoton Basin. Uh, and I've known Chris for a really long time. Um, I I asked him, you know, what's the highest helium concentration in the world? He said, well, there was one that had like twenty percent, which was one well that was just anomalous. Yeah. But he said the Holbrook Basin is is literally the some of the highest helium concentrations in the world. Um, and so you go there. Now let me let me um, um, share a little bit about ExxonMobil. Okay. ExxonMobil is a large producer of helium. And again, back to your, your comment about a byproduct, they have uh, one of the most incredible fields I've seen in my life. It's called the Labarge Field in Wyoming. Okay. Um, these wells will produce uh, 20, um, 20,000 or, or 20 million to 50 million. Um, I mean, they're just hog wells. They, this, this, this field has produced seven TCF in the last 20 years wow. at a half a percent helium. And so it, and the wells are flat. Uh, the only reason it's not producing more and they're not um, drilling more is their $2 billion processing plant can't handle anymore. <laughs> and so they are part of the helium business, but again, it's a byproduct product of helium. Yeah. And so we're, we are focusing on those, on those assets uh, that have a higher percentage really good paybacks, mm -hmm. um, and, um, um, and inexpensive drilling. Yeah. No, it's the reason I asked that question is because I think that there's opportunity in many different areas of business. And, you know, sometimes it just takes like a different mindset to say, Hey, we're going to be a helium yes. EMP. And that's what we're going to focus yep. on. Well, it's a by byproduct for other producers, it's going to be our main product and, you know, taking a one, having an open mind and taking a look at a field in Arizona where that might scare other producers from like, Hey, we're not going to go sink money into that. Um, yeah. especially if it's not our core product. So, um, that's why I asked that question just because I, I think that that's interesting how I, I how identified opportunity and, and pursued it. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I think there will be other other companies possibly coming to the helium. Uh, what we're doing at Total Helium is we're we're the first one of the first movers uh, cool. to be one of these uh, small uh, junior companies yeah. that ha that are currently pr producing. Well, now after helium. this podcast, I mean, the cat's out of the bag, so yeah, you have a lot of you have a lot of competitive. No, this is super fascinating uh, stuff. I, I think that you know I'm going to take some stuff away from it and chew on it, especially around supply chain and manufacturing in the United States and the role that helium plays in that. And so, um, if anyone wants to find you, Robert, are do you guys have a website or on LinkedIn? Yeah. Where where can they yeah, find you? All, all the above. It's it's totalhelium.com. Cool. Uh, we uh, and I'm just so delighted to be here on Wednesday. We just closed on this acquisition on Monday. Yeah. And, and again, we have, we'll have with, with the two, five, six, we'll have, um, you know, 10 to 15 wells. We'll have another, um, 10 wells in the next three months too. 
and we're just getting after it. Yeah. We're, 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 we're making money. Robert's, generating Robert's riding on the high of closing the deal and he's ready to go poke some holes in the ground and, and make some helium. We'll have to get yeah. out there sometime and uh, um, come shoot some video yeah. content and uh, tell, tell the story of producing helium yeah. in Arizona because I think that that's a pretty cool story to tell. So if y'all are listening to this podcast and you're interested in helium, you're interested in going and working for Robert, you're interested in uh, investing, uh, whatever it may be, uh, give him a shout. We'll uh, we'll put a link uh, to his LinkedIn in the show notes and we will link to the website. And as always, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, which I know I enjoyed this one, share it with a friend, uh, share it on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, all the social media platforms, Always appreciate y'all sharing the show. Robert, thanks for coming on today, man. Thanks for what you guys are doing. I'm really honored to be here. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. We'll catch you guys next week. Come, 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 come.